Hi, I'm Tim Zacharias with Cougar USA and your host of Building Value. On today's episode, my guest is Terry Teach, Executive Vice President from Grumfoss. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate the invitation today. And uh, thanks to Cougar for being a part of this uh, series and and uh, you know our walk for wonders. Yes, sir. Well, today we're going to be covering uh, Terry's background, his work at Grumfoss, and his passion for solving the world's water crisis. On Building Value, we go behind the scenes at some of the most iconic buildings in Texas to showcase the incredible people that design, build, and maintain them, and their impact on the community. Terry, can you can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what you did after high school? Sure. Um, so, born in a small farming community in north central um, Wisconsin, and uh, a community Culberson Center. It was five thousand people back then, uh, sixty-five years ago, and I think it's still five thousand people. So. Uh, but I, uh, that's where I was born. I lived there for the first um, uh, five years of my life and then moved to Janesville, Wisconsin um, and grew up there, uh, attended high school um, in, at Janesville Parker. And um, yeah, so those are my roots. And from there, uh, went to school at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, which is right on the Mississippi River, one of the state schools uh, within the Wisconsin system and uh, really had uh, a great experience there. Yeah, you studied quite a bit there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I, you know, full transparency, it, uh, what, what brought me there was baseball. And, uh, and secondary in my mind at that time was an education. But, you know, it's sometimes you're you plan where you want to go and how you how you journey through uh, through life, and sometimes, uh, you know, other things pull you right. And in this case, baseball did, and and I'm fortunate that it did because I got a great education there, undergraduate degree in chemistry um, and business, and then uh, went on to get a MBA uh, there. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, it. Uh, it, it it was a, a great experience and a great institution for me to be at. That's great. And how did you kind of make the jump from chemistry and business degree into kind of the pump uh, and, you know, commercial construction world? Yeah, yeah. So that's a big leap, right? <laughs> <laughs> So again, this isn't one of those things that that uh, I had in mind when I was studying chemistry sure, and business sure. to become involved in the pump world. But you know, things happen, and and uh, very fortunate for the journey that I've been on from a, a career standpoint. Um, so I I uh, being in La Crosse, Wisconsin, um, train company was headquartered there. So I started my career. Uh, at train company on the process side of their business, which they had at that time. And uh, so I worked uh, for train from 1978 until 1984, and then transitioned to something on the completely opposite end of the spectrum in terms of scale or scope or size, 
and that was a small energy management building automation systems company, which Train was involved in at the early stages of, of development anyway. And uh, so that was a move for me, Tim, that, you know, where I laid in bed in the fetal position going, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, because there's a lot of things that take place in a big company that you just take for granted and you're fully exposed in um, in a small company and, and you sure, know sure. that, you know, more than any, but great growth opportunity for me. And uh, we grew the business. We were acquired by a company in the water business, uh, actually a company called Autotrol. And uh, they were involved in the development and application of valves and controls for water treatment, mostly softening, deionization, filtration. And uh, then through the food chain process, a company called Osmonics bought Autotrol. So I became, once again, part of a bigger organization. And then the progression continued with GE buying Osmonics. So I became a part of um, General Electric. Um, and was there for about five years, um, running one of the divisions that you know where we sold from a sales and marketing standpoint, um, the valves and controls. That's really interesting. I mean, that's that's a kind of an interesting path to start with a big company, go small, and then kind of work your way back uh, towards a big company. You know, so you've kind of seen both sides, and maybe you had a little bit more perspective uh, or different perspective when you went back to the big company. It, it, exactly. And so to answer the rest of your question, Tim, <laughs> the uh, the leap then to, to Grundfos. And so it was uh, one of those unforgettable moments, uh, you know, going back to baseball. It was uh, just we were on our way. My oldest son was playing in the, the D3 College World Series. And we were on our way to the stadium to watch uh, one of the games. And uh, I received a call from a recruiter who had been in contact with me since I left train company. And his opening line was, Terry, before you politely tell me no again, please listen to the story about this company, uh, this company called Grunfoss. And uh, so I did. I took the time and, and really reflected upon what he shared with me about the company, not only their products, their innovation, their position in the marketplace, but the value and their purpose foundation. And it really resonated. This sounded interesting to me. And and um, so, you know, that opened the door. And uh, seven interviews later, um, we both finally said, yeah, this, this, this feels like the right match. And so that was in 2005. And uh, okay. so uh, October 31st, 2005 is when I officially joined Grunfoss. There you go. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And, the, you know, I'll never forget the day I walked in the door, one of the gentlemen, Dave Ireland, who was uh, mm -hmm. gonna, I was working with on his team, his son, Chris, now works uh, with mm -hmm. us. Um, Dave uh, greeted me at, in the conference room door. At, and uh, and said, Terry, you've just made the best career decision of your choice. And I have to say it was a bold statement for Dave to, to share. Um, but I also have to say he was right. It was uh, it was a great move for me. And and uh, hopefully I've had the opportunity to contribute uh, to Grunfoss. So 
always say that I've been for most of my career in the water business, previously treating it. Now I move it. And, uh, and it's been a great opportunity to, to be with a company that does it in the way that Grunfoss does. Yeah, for sure. And we're, you know, I've said it before, we're proud to be associated with a company that has those values and uh, that purpose that you, that you mentioned as well. So, and, you know, kind of fast forward a few years uh, from when you joined on, what, what is it that you're currently doing with Grunfoss now? So, uh, I've had the uh, opportunity to be involved in overseeing uh, areas of our sales organization, marketing, and business development. Currently, Tim, I'm involved in uh, what we call demand planning and revenue uh, planning, uh, which is part of our sales inventory operations and planning process as a group organization. And I oversee that for our America's region. That's uh, that's quite a quite a challenge, I imagine. I mean, I know there's multiple partners across multiple markets, um, all with a little bit different demands. I'm sure <laughs> of uh, of what they would like you to order. So uh, that sounds like quite the challenge. It's uh, it it indeed is, and we're evolving and maturing in the process. But one of the key things is working with partners to be able to get that view in terms of what the market demands uh, not only are currently but what they're going to be so we can plan strategically and appropriately for those yeah sure and sure. Uh, say if you uh if you have any insights into uh what the demands might be here <laughs> in the next uh you know six nine 18 months you know if you have a crystal ball that we're not aware of please uh please share that with us <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, it is uncharted waters, and uh, certainly everybody's looking for clarity in that crystal ball in terms of what is forthcoming. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of, of uh, references to the Great Recession, you know, in terms of 08 and 09. And mm -hmm. so, um, but it's different. And, you know, the reasons for it are different. And, and I think the actual phenomena that we're a part of right now is certainly different and uh, so we're all trying to figure that out and and really the ramifications of, of what that means for every facet of our partners and, and ourselves and in transacting business here going forward but yeah we're, we're we're trying to look empirically at every piece of data that we can you know to to give us uh, indications in terms of when that recovery uh, actually is taking place and looking at the overall health of our economic environment. Yeah, it's, it, you know, we're trying to do the same, obviously, on a little bit uh, smaller scale uh, than what y'all are dealing with. But definitely, it there are some kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to say it mirrors maybe a little bit on paper what happened in 08, 09, like you said. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that it's a little bit more of a, a steeper recovery uh, as we go forward. But like kind of said, I think time time will tell. I think that'll be the only only way we're going to find out for sure. So okay. I agree. So you, you kind of mentioned the values and purpose a little bit of Grumfoss. Um, and and one of those that that we've had uh, the opportunity to get involved with uh, with you specifically and with with Grumfoss is uh, the Walk for Water. Uh, activities and water mission and i'd just like to hear how you kind of got involved in that um and and what that what that means to you sure 
So it, it really, the, the opportunity for me to become involved in my active engagement in, in working with water missions, our Walk for Waters, came about in, in 2011, 2012 timeframe. And the president of uh, uh, our U.S. Uh, company at the time had asked me if I would be, <clears throat> excuse me, the liaison uh, working uh, as uh, a uh, representative for the strategic partner meeting that uh, was hosted annually by Water Missions in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, at the same time, he asked me if I would be the liaison for another partnership that Grunfoss had developed in Kansas City with Kansas City Royals. Well, that took me about less than uh, a second to <laughs> say yes. And, and, uh, and as well, the, the water missions opportunity. Um, and so that was the point at time and how it came to be. And I attended the first strategic partner meeting in uh, 2012 in Charleston, March. And um, I guess, as they say, I drank the Kool-Aid. It just mm -hmm. was such an incredible experience and, uh, you know, witnessed for me to see who they were, what they did, and how they did it. And um, it's just, I, I continue to marvel at what an incredibly effective and efficient organization they are. And, serving um, the needs of those who need uh, need safe water uh, around the globe. So that was uh, my first opportunity to engage. And after that, I brought back uh, just, a, I would say, an incredible energy and passion to uh, help Grunfoss and engage further, be a part of our engagement. And that really started fundamentally with our Walk for Waters. And so that year we hosted two of them, one in Kansas City, and then later uh, in the summer, uh, one with uh, our, in Chicago at our Aurora facility. The, uh, the reason for the mention of the Kansas City Royals is we had the opportunity to actually partner with them to host these uh, Walk for Waters. And uh, we did so at Kauffman Stadium and with the support of their uh, operations uh, organization within the Royals. So it really, you know, kicked things off in a grand way. Yeah, that's definitely a special place to do the uh, the walk for water. So I, I'd like you to, if, if you don't mind, can you expand a little bit on kind of the, the water crisis in general and what, you know, I think in, in the U.S., especially, you know, maybe a lot of developed countries, we, we're taking water for granted, you know, turn on the faucet and there's, you know, good clean water. Maybe a little bit more recently, people are being aware of where the water's coming from or what might be in the water. But for a lot of people in the world, they, they're not uh, nearly in that situation to have access to clean water. So can you just give us a little bit more information about the water crisis and then, um, you know, how that ties with Water Mission and how Grumfoss and Water Mission are working together. Yeah. So there's a lot there, Tim. Yes. You know, obviously, and, and, <laughs> Big uh, question, I know. I'll, I'll do my best to try to paraphrase or summarize. Sure. But I, I think, you know, just at, at the top of the crisis is a big number, right? That, um, I think today's number um, sits at 2.2 billion people who lack access to safe, clean water. And uh, if you context that, that's roughly one third of our global population. 
And so it's a big number and it, and it's, it's a huge issue. And I mean, when we also context that in terms of, um, you know, a very somber number, I think it's every 37 seconds, someone dies from a, a waterborne illness in our world. And so, you know, 50% of the hospital beds are occupied, you know, by people with uh, water illnesses. So it's a, it's a huge um, issue and, and one that, you know, many of our brothers and sisters face throughout the world that, to your words, they don't have the convenience of turning on a tap and having uh, safe, you know, um, clean water. And so, um, you know, our walk for waters as we host them um, as part of Grunfoss in North America, and now we plan to expand those throughout uh, the Americas region as a whole, um, are really intended to create awareness, to plant seeds, and to uh, raise money um, through contributions that go for the cause that Water Mission uh, supports and deploys uh, their water systems and their resources throughout the world to serve those people in need. So that's one way in which Grunfoss um, really actively partakes. And, um, and we do that with, uh, as I mentioned, creating the awareness. So, you know, a lot of our, our people understand it as, as a need, but when they actually come and carry the bucket and feel the weight of the water and realize that, you know, a lot of women and children do this three and a half hours a day, you know, um, sometimes twice a day, then, you know, it really starts to, um, I think, have more meaning and have more impact for the, for our employees to engage in that opportunity and really feel like they're making a difference to help others who need it. And it's part of, you know, our overall purpose statement, you know, that Grunfoss has, and that's to pioneer solution for the world's uh, water and climate challenges and to improve the quality of life for others. And so this is all very much aligned with it. And when you can work toward a cause that's, you know, part of a purpose statement, which our company not only writes, but actually engages in, it's a pretty meaningful experience for our employees to be a part of. So I think I think most would tell you that you know this is one of the reasons that we're all proud to work for Grunfoss is you know the, the active engagement and the opportunities and the belief uh, that we have as a, a core uh, foundation um, and part of our values as you mentioned particularly sustainability uh, that really support that so it's it's not just words on a website or you know, on an annual report, it's it's actually something that this company lives. And so I'm proud to be a part of that. If if you look into the future, you know, that's that's what we do today. And, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our foundation, uh, the Paul DeJensen Foundation, actually is a significant contributor to this water crisis, not only to water missions, but to other organizations. But water missions is a a uh, significant recipient of the uh, contributions made by the Paul D. Jensen Foundation, and they deploy those uh, resources very effectively and some significant projects around the, uh, the world. And um, so, uh, you know, 
looking toward the future in our 2025 strategy, it's a very intentional objective that's been set forth to, in collaboration and conjunction with our partners, um, serve 300 million people of, you know, of need throughout the world. And uh, right from our CEO and, and our top leadership, uh, everyone is very much uh, in support of Grundfos being a part of SDG6, you know, a global initiative, and uh, and really taking ownership for a, a very ambitious part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge undertaking to uh, to be able to serve 300 million people by 2025 with clean water. I mean, that's uh, an, an amazing goal, and I, you know, based on the past, I think Grunfoss is going to get there. Uh, so can can you just, uh, what is it that happens after that money is raised through these Walk for Waters and how do these people actually get that access to clean water? Yeah, so um, um, contextually, the, the uh, ambition to serve 300 million people, I think actually is part of the 2025 strategy, but the actual end uh, goal is to serve that many people by 2030, which is still oh, an uh, ambitious goal. Still that still yeah, right. Right. And, and so the other thing, Tim, that's important, and, and, and we recognize this as, you know, a Grundfos organization and all the way at the top is that we won't do it alone. It, and it won't be, you know, the Walk for Waters are really a way to address a small part of it. And, and for us to really, you know, provide the engagement opportunity for all of our employees in the Americas at this time and and uh, and potentially uh, around the, the globe. Um, there are other employee engagement uh, activities that we offer like Water to Life, which is a little different mission. But, it, it, you know, serving that many people, we won't be able to do that by ourselves. So we recognize that it's in partnership and collaboration with other organizations that this will come to be, but we want to be on the front end of, of providing that leadership, that guidance and contribution, you know, so to take our, our fair um, um, part of that in every respect, time, talent, and, you know, uh, resources. And, and so I, I think, you know, Grundfos, I would say that, you know, when you context this in strategy and deployment, it's, it's breakthrough. You know, we don't really have all the answers today, but we know it needs to get done. And through putting a lofty ambition out there like we've done, I think we materially have higher probability of realizing that or a significant part of that when we get to that 2030 mark. And so I, I applaud our leadership for being bold, for being uh, ambitious and aggressive um, with this uh, uh, with a specific target. And the need is real. Um, as I mentioned, every 37 seconds, you know, there's a fatality. So, you know, the, the clock is ticking and the sooner we all as corporate citizens and people um, desiring to make a difference, you know, act the sooner we start to, to, to have an impact on, on those people who really need it today. So. Terry, I, you know, I think that, like you said, it's going to take a lot of 
additional partners for Grumfoss to get there. And and one of the important ones that we've uh, already mentioned is Water Mission. And um, I, I've heard you talk a little bit about before, but I really like the way that they kind of go out and into these communities and help them with that, uh, you know, improving that water quality. So can you can you explain that process for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have the opportunity every year to, to designate our our uh, uh, contributions and, and what, what's raised in terms of funds from the Walk for Waters to a specific project. And it's typically through a dialogue with uh, with the water missions staff uh, that's involved in evaluating and assessing where the greatest needs are, you know, from from their processes and their work. And so then we we uh, align on, on where we uh, desire the funds and the proceeds to go. From there, that handoff, Water Mission really takes it and, and deploys the project. And it's one of the things, that, Tim, I, I just have great admiration for, you know, in terms of how they do that. So they, you know, they look at the need, of course, um, but then they go in and they start with engaging the community leaders. So they understand the dynamic uh, of the social interactions that that are specific to that village or that you know community, and um, and they get buy-in, and then what they do is they create you know a, a either a, I believe it's called a community or trade development um, profile, um, whereby the actual recipients of the clean safe water pay a small amount for the water they receive. But they do that so that they can sustain the water treatment system once it's put in place. And so the maintenance or the chemicals that are required um, to operate the system, you know, they'll have the, the funds that it takes to replace pumps or parts of the system and or pay for operators to operate the system. So that economic cycle begins through the community or the trade development model that they put in place. And uh, uh, it works. I mean, they've figured out the formula. It's a holistic approach. It's just not gifting a community with a water system, which in those cases, oftentimes it becomes abandoned because people don't know how to sustain it. They don't take ownership and they don't um, benefit from the rewards that can take place by having that kind of an implementation and a business development model. So there's a lot that they bring to the table, not only in terms of technical water treatment, but in terms of the social interaction and the, the community development. And so it, in time, it becomes their own and they have the pride of ownership and the responsibility to maintain that. Of course, Water Mission uh, is there for supporting it that the ownership really evolves and matures to a point that it becomes the communities. And I think that's a really great thing. And, you know, they, they've created their processes uh, over the years, um, you know, with the involvement of, of, uh, uh, of many people of different disciplines to, to come up with a formula that they have. And so uh, I, I think Hopefully that answers your question, but they've mm -hmm. done it in terms of um, many of these communities, Tim, are, are remote. And, and so they don't have electricity. They can't afford to operate uh, generators uh, on, on fuel. 
Um, and so solar operated water systems uh, are really important. And that's where, where Grundfos, you know, plays a significant part with the innovative products that we've been able to develop over the years and apply in this type of environment. Love that model. And it, I think it's uh, really impressive the way that they're not only providing the uh, clean, safe water, like you said, but also using that as a way to help build up the community and kind of pull them up from that, that, you know, stage of not having access to clean water, having those diseases that come along with it uh, can really kind of help grow that community to the next level. And, you know, we, like to say, you know, we look at water as the lifeblood of a building, uh, but in here it's more of the lifeblood of the community for for what we're talking about and being able to help them grow. So, oh, that's spot on, Tim, and and uh, and really, you know, when you look at the model and how they deploy it and how successful it it often is, you know, it it not only serves the people with you know that fundamental need of safe water. But it is that economic development. And I had the opportunity to witness one of the first solar installations in Haiti, uh, the village of Gourmand, where, you know, they had incredible cholera outbreaks and, and, you know, many casualties and fatalities because of that over a long period of time. And so putting in the water system turned that around. But the economic development that had transformed over the years that the system had been put in was incredible. So I got to see a school that had been built. And now instead of those children walking to get their safe water, they now were attending classes and learning and applying in time that knowledge to their commerce within the city. We got to see a church develop so people of, of faith could go and and, uh, and, and worship. Um, but you know, along the main street, these little huts of commerce that had taken place. And it was all because of the fundamental need of, of water being provided to that village and that community. And so it's an incredible transformation that takes place by something so fundamental <clears throat> and simple as providing safe clean water. It's incredible. And like I said, I feel like it's something that we all uh, take for granted uh, having that just, you know, growing up with it, not even thinking about it, not realizing how big of an impact that can have uh, for other people. So that, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. It, um, it's, it's one of those, uh, you know, coming together of the technology and, and the will to serve, which uh, Water Missions has. And and uh, it really has resulted in some 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 great things. And uh, one of the things about water missions, Tim, that is is truly remarkable is, you know, their people. You know, they've got an incredible vision to serve others. But, you know, through the years that I've been involved with them uh, and had the opportunity to get to know a number of of the people throughout the world, um, these are incredibly capable individuals, typically young men and women, in a lot of cases, who could go do anything they want, but they choose to do this with water missions. And I got to tell you, the, you know, that is inspiring and motivating and energizing for me personally, but, but I know for a lot of people who have the opportunity to see what they do and how they do it and who they do it with. 
Well, and that, that passion is infectious too. I mean, I, the first time we talked about, uh, walk for water and, and everything that, uh, that we're talking about today was a few years ago. And I still, you know, remember that conversation and see that, you know, felt that passion that you have for it. And obviously you still have it today. And, uh, you know, that we, that's pushed us to, to, you know, get more involved in, in the walk for water events in Houston and, and just be more aware in general. So, uh, you know, I love, love that passion that you have, uh, for this. And it's, it's obvious that it, I think anybody that kind of gets involved in these feels that and, and, uh, kind of walks away with a little bit different perspective. So uh, I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Tim, for the kind words, but I, I have to tell you, one of the things that has been most rewarding for me is having the opportunity to work with companies like Cougar and who bring forward, you know, their own passion and their own desire to be involved and engaged and, and individuals like yourself and your dad who have, you know, demonstrated that, you know, uh, firsthand uh, by being there and, and, and serving. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of what fuels not only myself, but many of us who have the opportunity to be involved in, in uh, organizations like this, Run Foss Water Missions and Cougar as partner. And uh, I just think your leadership and your involvement will hopefully inspire others you know, to come together and, uh, and help serve this, uh, this great need. Well, I appreciate that, sir. We're, we're very happy to do our, our, uh, small part in this whole, uh, big, big, uh, mission, as you say. So, and, you know, if we, if we would talk back, you mentioned the, the walk for water events and, and we have, uh, participated in those in, in the last couple of years here in Houston. And it, it, it really is a great event and I, I love the format. Um, and, the whole process that you go through to actually go get the dirty water from the big pond, you know, so you start at the, uh, you know, the nice pavilion, everything's normal. We get a little bit of background story of what's going on in the world, kind of set perspective a little bit and then set off on our, our hike to go get our clean water. And remember on the way back, uh, from getting the water with my, you know, five-year-old son, he's got his bucket and it took about 30 seconds before it wasn't fun for him anymore and you know you look at that combined with the brown water and i think it really started to hit the wheels turning in his head to say hey what why are we doing this why why do i have to carry this water why is what is all of this so uh i i love that format and you know like i said it's had an impact on us and if we kind of look forward a little bit what is what does the walk for waters look like uh, maybe this year, I know it's going to be a little bit different, but what are, what are the plans going forward uh, with Walk for Water? So this year, you know, because of the environment and landscape that, that all of us are operating in, it, it, uh, it'll it be more challenging and more difficult to host it in its traditional form. And so we're looking at ways in which we can do a virtual walk. And, uh, and, and certainly we're... Um, and we're putting a lot of energy toward that right now to, to make it materialize in the not too distant future. And so um, more to come on, on that topic, Tim. Um, <laughs> sure. But, but I, I would hope after this year and, and our virtual walk that we'll have the opportunity to, to go back to the traditional format that you reflect upon. And, uh, and I think there, there is uh, an incredible... Um, opportunity for us to you know to offer the experience which you described and uh 
Um, so I, I, it would be our hope that, you know, in 2021 and beyond that we continue to be able to uh, host a, a walk for water like you've had the opportunity to experience and Cougar employees for the last couple of years, um, but uh, grow that and expand it, you know, toward a, a broader participation through your help and, and work um, in years to come. But I think, you know, there could be some unforeseen benefits by this virtual walk that maybe it becomes a collective, uh, sure, sure. you know, effort in the future that um, that we learn new things from, you know, offering a virtual walk this year that may be additive to the traditional uh, in forthcoming years. And, and uh, you know, we've learned a lot, you know, about working from home and, you know, during this lockdown. And, and so... You know, I would anticipate we uh, will we'll, we'll look at this as an opportunity. Yeah, uh, no, it's I think that's a great way to look at it. And, uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm I'm thinking, you know, hey, where could I take Mikey to go get water this year if we don't have the walk? And, uh, you know, to kind of continue that that story that I was talking about, you know, to, to carry that water back from the dirty pond and take it eventually back to the cleaning station, you know, to see the water go through the purification process, come out clean on the other side and to know that that's a small taste or a small, um, you know, example of what people are going through to actually get clean water every day. I know personally that, that, uh, impacted me and, and it definitely, uh, even, you know, five-year-olds can kind of pick up on that and, and start to realize maybe things they have, uh, you know, are, are easier than, than some others. So, uh, mm. I definitely would like to see, like you said, uh, hope to see that continue to grow and, uh, find ways to do it virtually this year and, and, uh, to grow them in years to come. Uh, well, it, it, your story about your son and the opportunity to walk with him and, and meet him and have him be a part of the <clears throat> walk for water experience is, is truly one of the things I think that, for you as a father, you know, for us as organizers and, and executors of Walk for Waters, that's the inspiration that that, that really, you know, we, <clears throat> we need, we like to witness. And we always context, you know, what we try to share at these Walk for Waters is planting seeds. You never know where, when or where they're going to germinate, but it's the youth of our world that I think gives us, you know, hope and, and inspiration that whatever you and I have the opportunity to contribute to now, they will carry on by experiences like these walk for waters. And, you know, I have a, I think I've shared with you a grandson that's about the same age as, as your son. And uh, we had the opportunity to walk together in Chicago a few years ago. Um, and it was for me personally one of the, the greatest experiences to hold him ha his hand through the walk and to see him carry that that little bucket, you know, yep. that, you know, dirty water. But he didn't fully understand it at the time, but he remembered it as an experience that he wanted to do again, like your son. And uh, so those are that's the starting point, and and then you know, as as you know, I think I shared the story about Scotty Parker. Um, the young boy who, you know, not too much older than uh, your son, Mikey, and, our, and my, you know, grandson, Hunter, um, you know, he heard the story of the water crisis and, and began his own 
you know, uh, contribution towards serving others in, in, in what's turned out to be an incredible, huge way. And I don't know if you want to, you know, go through any of that story if we have time. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. definitely have time. It's a great story. Yeah. It, it, yeah, so so Scotty's one of those um, true inspirations, right, for all of us. And, you know, at the uh, age of seven, I think, was sitting in a, a Sunday school class and his teacher, um, who now wor works for Water Missions, uh, he didn't at the time, uh, was just teaching the class about the water crisis and presenting some of the facts. And uh, Gotti went home and told his mom and dad that he wanted to do something about the water crisis. And so they talked about it, and, and Scotty uh, decided that year, instead of receiving birthday gifts, he would take the money from his birthday and gift it to Water Mission. And, uh, and so I think it was started out around uh, $100. And, uh, and then the next year, he recruited his sister to do the same thing. And I think they, as a family, contributed around $300 the next year. And then Scotty uh, had, you know, uh, just a, a greater drive and passion. And so at the age of 10, uh, he decided he wanted to run across the state of South Carolina and raise $50,000. And so his mom and dad you know, uh, thought that was grand and great that they, you know, they didn't know if it'd be so good for a 10-year-old to be doing that. So they actually enlisted their, uh, you know, doctor and uh, consulted with him and, and he advised against it. And Scotty, you know, determined uh, to do this, said, well, what if I bike? And uh, so the doctor gave permission and his parents uh, you know, allowed that to happen. So at the age of 10, he actually biked across the state of, of South Carolina and raised beyond his goal of $50,000 to give to uh, water missions. And so it is incredible. And uh, the, the last part of the story is uh, at the age of 13, he had bigger visions. And so riding across the United States uh, became his, his goal and raising over $500,000 uh, for the cause uh, was, was his ambition. And so at the age of 13, he did that. Uh, he completed the ride and raised, I believe it was $620,000 for the cause. So it, it's just, it, it is, it, it's just an example of of uh, planting seeds and, and not knowing how they're going to germinate or grow or when and how. But it also demonstrates that, you know, yes, we are only one, but we are one. And, you know, why, why not let, you know, what we can do, you know, not be compromised by what we can't do. And, uh, and so, you know, he's a, He's a tremendous uh, example of that and inspiration, I think, for us all. I don't know what you were doing at the age of 13, but I certainly wasn't <laughs> thinking about this those kinds of ambitions. I was, uh, yeah, I, I love that story. And at 13, I was riding my bike, but it was not to raise money uh, for a worthy cause like that. So uh, definitely, definitely an inspirational story. Yeah, yeah, he, he is. And he continues to be... Uh, uh, 
to him. It, it just, uh, you know, I think he's he's now training for uh, triathlons and uh, and he'll find a way to, you know, to bring in that fundraising uh, element into into his ambitions. So, yeah, he's quite a remarkable uh, young man. I think he's got. I think if you just Google Scotty Parker, if anybody wants to, I think there's a, a web page that he's got that kind of tells the story probably more uh, accurately than what I just paraphrased. But uh, yeah, it's it's quite a story. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, yeah. And uh, I, I remember you, you telling that story at the the Walk for Water as well, and it's uh, it's always great to to hear it. So, so when we when we look forward, you know, especially kind of given this current um, environment that we're in with with COVID and and uh, hopefully starting to to see the light at the end of the tunnel here to maybe move uh, out of uh, what hopefully will be the worst part of this. What do you think, uh, we've talked a little bit about Grumfoss's goals, but what do you see uh, maybe as some silver linings to everything that's been going on over the last uh, few months and, and where do you see kind of uh, Grumfoss and, and water missions going forward with, uh, with their goals? Well, uh, you know, this, uh, as, as, as we talked about before, this landscape that we're all living in operating in is a bit uncharted. I mean, you know, not an occurrence like this since what 1918 with the Spanish flu and certainly you know, our dynamic of living and operating as commerce was quite different, you know, then than it is today. But I, I think, you know, when you when you look at what is taking place to really counter this invisible enemy, um, you know, it, it it just speaks to the, you know, the courage and the commitment that uh, a number of people in our world you know, stand for today and, and, and take action against, you know, all the healthcare providers and all the, you know, individuals in our community that put themselves at risk to do what they're asked to do every day. You know, even, you know, the people that, that, uh, that you know, run the streets and, and collect all the waste that, you know, that we as individuals create. You know, they're heroes. They're, you know, they're people that, that are just serving all of us. And I think, you know, that theme that we hear of, we're in this together. And I, I hope we can take, you know, the awareness and the knowledge that's come about from this pandemic and this crisis and recognize that there are other crises that are as big, if not bigger, and that we can all rally around the need that exists in this water, you know, crisis. So, you know, I... I think, Tim, if, if there's a takeaway, if there's a benefit, you know, from dealing with what we're, we're currently dealing with, I, I hope it can be something along those, those lines and that theme that, that uh, we can collaborate even more and we can work together in a, in a, in a more ambitious way um, to help address and impact this water crisis that's before us. Uh, yep, I agree. And, you know, I think times like these uh, give people the opportunity to, to, to step up or to 
kind of make those changes that you're talking about or, or you know, be able to find creative ways to, to solve these problems. And people have shown definitely that they can do that with everything that's happened with COVID. And, you know, I've talked with David Millen about examples of how that's happening, even within Grumfoss and, and just in general. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, like you said, if maybe that kind of effort or energy would be applied towards the water crisis that, that maybe we would see, uh, you know, a little bit, maybe more than 300 million people, uh, that goal that you, that you threw out there, maybe, we, maybe we could help more than that. So, uh, I, I would agree. I, I would, you know, I, I hope we all are able to come out of this, uh, seeing it hopefully, um, maybe as an opportunity to, to, to change for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well, Terry, I think that about wraps up our episode today. I really appreciate you coming on, uh, building value. Really enjoyed our conversation today. Now, Tim, thanks for you know the invitation and allowing me to have the opportunity to be a part of it. I think uh, um, this has really been a, a a great, interesting session for me to be a part of, and thank you for that. Yeah, and. Also, you know, I definitely appreciate your passion for uh, the water crisis and the work you've done with Water Mission and the Walk for Water and uh, allowing us to, to take part in that here in Houston. So uh, thank you again. And also want to thank everybody who is watching or listening today. Uh, thank you for watching this episode of Building Value, and we will see you next week.